Hello, I'm Dave Watts and I have a superpower, though it's not one I want. I don't believe that anyone would want to share it with me either. That superpower seems to be the ability to be made redundant, or to be precise, to have my role at work made redundant. It sounds better that way and less personal, and in fact factual. Redundancy is not about you as an individual, even if it feels that way, which it most certainly does sometimes. Now I've been made redundant six times now, and I'm a little weary of it. On the upside though, I know the process better than HR in most organisations. So far I've managed, after a period of unemployment, to find another job. Up to the end of March 2018, the maximum time I'd spent unemployed was four months. I passed that mark now and I'm into my fifth month with no reprieve in sight. Not a milestone I'm proud of, but there you go. You have to go with the cards dealt to you. The big difference now is my age. Allow me a small boast, but I have a great deal of work experience in the private and public sector, two good degrees, with one of them an MBA from a top UK business school. But I'm 63. Yes, I know this shouldn't work against me, and legislation makes it illegal to discriminate, but then how can I prove it? The purpose of this podcast, then, is to share the difficulties of finding a job in your 60s. I'd love to hear from you and about your circumstances, experiences, successes and failures and any dealings you've had with organisations as you try to find a new job. I'll let you have contact details at the end of the podcast. If you're an employer with views about recruiting older people, then I'd love to hear from you as well. This isn't just a British problem. I have a very good friend, similar age in the States, with a degree in psychology, and the only job my friend can now get is a seasonal one looking for birds' nests on a beach. First, though, some statistics. We are not alone, us redundant ones. The bad news. Last year, according to the Office of National Statistics, 416,000 people were made redundant. But there is some good news. Estimates from the Labour Force Survey suggest that in 2017 the number of people in work increased and the number of people aged from 16 to 64 not working and not seeking or available to work, that's economically inactive, decreased. The employment rate, the proportion of people aged from 16 to 64 who were in work, was 75.3%, higher than for a year earlier and the joint highest since comparable records began in 1971. There were 1.45 million unemployed people, that's people not in work, but seeking and available to work, 127,000 fewer than a year earlier. So, people are finding work, and the number in work is rising. What that work is for those made redundant in their 60s, and whether it's the sort of work they want, is a topic for another podcast. In 2016, a survey by the Nationwide Building Society suggested that one-third of those over 60 are still in work and 60% are retired. Whether that retirement is enforced, like mine currently is, or a matter of choice is not revealed as far as I can tell. However, this all rather depends on where you live. For example, A BBC report in early 2017 said that Northern Ireland has the highest rate of unemployment for the over-50s in the UK at 4.5%.
Many of the new jobs are at minimum wage and, for those without skills, finding a new position can be daunting. The other issue, largely brushed over, are the invisible ones. For example, I was going to sign on to collect my job seeker's allowance. However, as I now get a pension that is greater than the weekly JSA payment of £73, then no unemployment benefit is payable. Therefore, I'm not recorded anywhere as unemployed, and I assume that applies to a great many. We are out there. To help pass time during my periods of unemployment, I blogged. For my own pleasure, mainly. You haven't read my blogs, have you? Believe me, you can't spend eight hours a day, every day, job searching. Not without going ever so slightly stir-crazy. And as I'm clearly a serial redundancy candidate, I've had plenty of time to write, so, for this first podcast, here's something I wrote in 2008 about what I'd learned then about job searching. I'd like to stress, as the rain continues to fall most days this Easter, that this will all end. Let's be positive. It's just that you never know when. If somebody could tell you you'll have a job in six months, enjoy yourself, then you could. So here it is. In three words, I can sum up everything I've learned about life. So where did it go right? Why, after two years, 82 applications and six interviews, did I finally get a job? I've no idea. It's a mystery. That's not very helpful, is it? But it's true. Why my carefully constructed, honed and polished CVs made no impact when applying for jobs that you would have thought I absolutely must be the best candidate for the job and got nowhere, and yet I managed to get a job in a totally different business sector will, forever, be a mystery to me. However, I've learned some things along the way, covering all five redundancies we must learn from history, that I feel impelled to inflict on you. It may help, it may stop you making the same mistakes, or you could always print them out and make a draft excluder from them. Prepare for rejection, and more rejection. Did I mention rejection? Expect to be out of work for some time. Expect rejection. Many rejections. Expect not to hear anything from most applications. Move on immediately. Remember the hope over experience curve. Yes, rejection is very hard. You don't have to keep telling me about it. Now a fully qualified master of being rejected. And keep looking. Keep a file of jobs applied for. You may need it as proof that you're actively job searching. Stay positive. There will be good days. There will be bad days. And there will be mind-bendingly awful days. However, there is a lot of silliness in the world. Sometimes it's very hard to see, but it's there. And it can make you laugh. Well, it made me laugh. Whatever happens, try and bounce back. And there is life after redundancy. It may not be the life you had, but it might very well be better. It might have more kittens and yawning puppies. Use every way you can to find a new job. Use every channel you can think of to find a job and keep scouring them. Do not start using them, even if you think they may not be working. You will not be able to predict easily where a job might be found. Stop spending now. You may have a reasonable redundancy payout. Statutory redundancy pay or even nothing. Whatever you have, 
you need to stop spending now because you do not know how long this is going to last. Cancel all non-essential spending and start budgeting and get real. The kids may hate it. Your partner may hate it. It may put you in a difficult position with your employed friends, but that's their problem. If they are that insensitive, then have nothing to do with them, because they will only vex you more. You can do without many things. Stay solvent, and if you have any money left when you get the new job, that's the time to spend. Keep fit. Learn something new. This time may be gruelling, or sap your motivation, and test your sense of humour. Don't sit in the house all day, telling yourself life is crap. Get fit, walk, go running, do something, get creative, learn something new. You'll feel a whole lot better and able to face the job hunt. And it is a way of demonstrating a positive response to this difficulty to a potential employer. Believe me, chewing endlessly over and over the subject of no one replies to my job applications tends to empty the room you are currently sitting in quite effectively. Respect your partner's space. Your partner might be at home or still doing whatever they were doing before your job loss. Respect their position and their space. You're going to need them for lots of support and it won't help trailing after them all day around the house like a demented toddler following their mother. They'll not want to hear your ills and moans all the time. Try and remember that and be supportive to them. Don't pay good money to snake oil merchants. There are many organisations that are waiting to take your severance pay, savings or JSA. They are very seductive and promise much. Some are very expensive. But none of them will find you a job. That's always down to you. So you might as well save your money. Sign on. Don't be proud. This is admittedly not the most rewarding experience you will ever have. Be prepared for quite a demeaning process, which may include giving all your private financial details to a complete stranger in an open office. However, you are entitled to state support, subject to a means test, and your national insurance will be paid. There is some help in retraining available, and there may be jobs available that the Job Centre team can put you in touch with, though usually in Fife, as I found as a sous chef or CNC operator. Sell yourself properly with your CV. Employers and or agencies will be inundated with CVs for most jobs. Their first task is to carry out a paper sift on the applications, and they will be ruthless. Your CV is your only opportunity to get through that first filter, so make it count. Can you describe what you do and the benefits you could bring to an organisation in one minute? Well, make sure you can. The question you have to be able to answer is, What benefits to the company could hiring this person bring? And they don't want to know about your hobbies, and they certainly don't have any right to ask for your age. If you haven't updated your CV, then do so now. Remember, contact details, profile, relevant competencies, examples of task, plus problem solving and outcomes, list recent employers, but you don't have to list them all, qualifications, In my experience, hobbies, interests, pictures of your cat, holiday photos and a gold star from Mrs Edwards in primary school for making a paper mache dinosaur are not required but are surprisingly often included. Treat finding a new job as a job in itself. 
Set aside time every day to look for a job, or do something positive in finding a new position. There's always something that you can do. Don't apply for jobs you're not qualified for. This is difficult, but unless you want more rejection, then do not apply for jobs you are patently not qualified for. Remember, there are many, many more applicants who really will be better qualified, so why beat yourself up? Three steps backwards to go forwards. There comes a time when you might have to accept the lesser paid job, take a considerable drop in salary and perks. That was then, this is now. Ask yourself, do you want the money and see it as a way of fighting back up the ladder? Or do you continue to wait for the right job? Ask yourself, do you feel lucky? Well, do you? Voluntary contributions. Almost a subject of a blog in its own right, local voluntary organisations are looking for volunteers to muddle through the many layers of impenetrable bureaucracy as we speak. If you'd like to spend time helping others, just jog on down to your local volunteer centre, making sure it's not an army recruiting office and ending up in Helmand province. With a little help from your friends. Keep in contact. Don't become isolated. Contact by email, Skype, iChat, Messenger, WhatsApp, smoke signals, two tin cans with a piece of taut string. Whatever it takes, don't become isolated. And that's it. Down to the irreducible level. Forget the books, forget the seminars. This is what it comes down to. Don't give up. In three words, I can sum up everything I've learned about life. It goes on. A quote by Robert Frost. I'll be back in two weeks' time, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to my first podcast. You can make contact with me through Twitter with the hashtag The Redundancy Podcast, or via my blog, Coping with Redundancy in Your 60s. Goodbye until next time.